Katie Crouch's new novel is set in Namibia, where two central characters, American women, are embassy wives who have transplanted their lives to follow their husbands to their diplomatic roles. Persephone Wilder drinks a little too much, obsesses over rhinos, and has something of a rivalry with Mila Shalongo, the wife of Namibia's Minister of Transportation. Amanda Evans had been a Silicon Valley COO before moving to Namibia with her Fulbright scholar husband, Mark, who has mysterious ulterior motives for uprooting the family. The women strike up fraught friendships of convenience, but they're also forged on something more to do with their complicated relationships with their husbands, their children, and with their understanding that diplomacy is never a free and easy negotiation. This is Book Public from Texas Public Radio. I'm Yvette Benavides. I spoke to author Katie Crouch about her novel, Embassy Wife. Can you give us like a spoiler-free summary of Embassy Wife? Like when people ask you, what is it about? What do you say? Embassy Wife is a novel um, mostly about female friendship, I would say. But the protagonist, her name is Amanda Evans. And she and her family moved to Windhoek, Namibia for her husband's job, sort of sight unseen. But it turns out that her husband has ulterior motives for bringing them there. And um, what follows is a, I guess, a soup of sorrows and hilarity. Well, it's kind of a fish out of water story, but it's interesting Uh to see like an ensemble of fish. Uh, and the ways in which um, more than one character must find a way into like this new space, this new country, and survive it as best they can because of you know what is purely for them American and what is purely an issue that's rooted not in Namibia but back in the states, right? Like it's just like they they bring their baggage with them, and then the complications are so much more magnified once they're in Namibia. Yes. It's amazing how one's baggage becomes magnified when one leaves <laughs> the country to go somewhere extremely uncomfortable. Um, and maybe one who thinks they are very, very capable, this person, I guess I'm this one, I'm speaking of myself. Well, can you talk about that? Because you actually <laughs> had to live in Namibia. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can. I didn't have to. I had the privilege of living in Namibia. Uh, so I, I uh, many of my books are um, sort of springboarded off of experiences that I've had. And this character does not particularly want to live in Namibia, but I, my experience was vastly different. And then I was thrilled to live there. Um, but yes, my, um, like the book, my husband, who's um, a writer named Peter Orner, he uh, won a Fulbright to go to Namibia, and he said, let's go. So um, so I said, sure, Be- having been in my youth quite the adventure traveler. Uh, but I didn't realize how hard it would be to actually bring an entire family. And I just had a baby. So he- we went, and my son Roscoe was six weeks old. Um, and so... It was, um, you know, it was much more instead of sort of wandering around on the back of an elephant and you know, <laughs> um, doing all these adventure travel things that I'd imagined doing, 
um, I was just sort of trying to keep my children comfortable and, and not sick kind of. Um, and also I have this sort of brain chemistry where after I have a child, my, uh, I fall into a bit of postpartum doldrums. So it was, um, you know, I was sort of getting into a funk, but then all these sort of crazy things kept happening. Like for example, the first, like one of the first days we were there, uh, some baboons broke into our house and stole a bunch of baby formula, which was just sort of this crazy thing. And then, you know, things like that, or like we almost hit a warthog with our car, just sort of things that would jolt me out of this sort of self-involved um, soup that I was in. And I started writing them down and, um, and you know, quickly that snowballed into, Hey, this is time. It's time for me to write my fourth novel. Let's, 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 let's make something out of this. So, um, so yeah, that was sort of where the book originated was me being a fish out of water. And then just sort of my eyes opening to all of the really interesting things that were going on around me, not just myself. And then, you know, as one writes, thank goodness, you get out of your own head and start looking around at all the amazing things that are had people that are around you, especially if you're in a place where you don't live. And, um, you know, I just couldn't stop writing about Namibia. It's a really fascinating country. It's, it's, um, I like to tell people where it is because, um, not to sort of be didactic, but because I actually didn't know where it was right before until right before I moved there. (laughs) And it's parked directly above South. It used to be part of South Africa and it's, it, um, it's parked above South Africa on the uh, western side of the continent, and it's huge and empty and mostly desert, except where it meets the sea, and the sea's really boiling once you get there. Like it's just a very, very dramatic, um, dramatic topographically, and um, and it, it just you know it's such a stunning place. I couldn't. I couldn't not write about it. So that was, the, you know, once you have a setting like that, you're sort of, it's on a platter for your, for you. you know? <laughs> a thing I, that I admire so much about this novel is the way that you write the setting. So I, I imagine that you were not just at home with the baby <laughs> because the, the flora and the fauna, and you mentioned the ocean, the ocean, it seems like your research was, was like field research and you must have, ventured out quite a lot to Mm -hmm. some pretty interesting places. And um, I just appreciate that so much. It seems to me a place that I'm glad you told us where it is. It seems to me a place that most of us just don't know about it. And or maybe, you know, we've heard about it, but, you know, we've never really looked it up. We've never been there, certainly. And maybe we have still some skewed ideas about it. But that's the great thing about this book. I mean, we learn so much about Namibia. So how was it that you were doing the things that you had to do and take care of your children? And then I guess you were just taking notes like crazy and starting the book. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge, I, I mostly was absorbing uh-huh. and I was really, I was failing pretty hard. I was failing left and right. I, I mean, my, my daughter really was unhappy going to the internet, you know, going to a new school. And I think she twisted they have trampolines there and the, I mean it's, that's just that tells you even just one thing that's different 
that, you know, here having a trampoline, it's like this, see this, this huge risk and there they have them on the playground. So the first thing my daughter did was like spraying her ankle on a trampoline. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and my son was very, you know, yeah, he was six weeks old and he was really angry. He was like, why am I not in the womb and it's hot and I'm what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, or they were just, you know, yeah, there were just things, you know, not only, you know, if one has had a small child, everything sort of seems insurmountable, but then sort of being in this new place, it was just, it was seemed larger than life. Um, so I didn't, I wouldn't say I was like meticulously taking notes. I would say that I was just sort of trying to survive from day to day <laughs> uh, mentally. Um, but as you know, it's interesting because when, when, when you first have, when, you know, for many of us during that like first six weeks or three months, it's like, how am I even going to get through the next hour? But then like, you just sort of forget about it. You know, like once the baby's bigger, it's, 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 it's easy to forget about that time. And having, you know, I did a lot of things I think that I wouldn't, I, I found a lot of pockets of the country that I wouldn't have found having children because through children, you get to meet families so quickly, mm-hmm. not just American families, but family, you know, that's really how we met a lot of Namibian families because, oh, the, you know, I have this daughter, she wants to play with X and Y, and then you get to go to their house and you get to go to where, you know, so it's, it's a, it's like a Trojan horse sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> into the culture. And, um, and there are many, many different facets of Namibian culture, right? Because, um, well, you know, you have people, Namibians, but you also have their subsets like the Afrikaans community. And um, there was the, um, there was a huge sort of American expatriate community, but then there were also, we had a lot of friends from Botswana, et cetera. And, and all of those, I mean, everything was so, um, you know, they all had very singular households, very singular ways that they did things. And it was just like, it was just a wonderful way to get to know a culture that I wouldn't have, I think without just going without children, I would definitely have not have seen the Hmm. things that I did or, or gotten as deep into the different facets of Namibia that I was able to. So it was actually great, but it, if you'd asked me my first couple of weeks, I wouldn't have said it was great. <laughs> Actually, I think I said to Peter many times. I guess yeah. we should say it's this is Peter Orner from the Lonely Voice uh, from our mm-hmm. Lonely Voice episodes. We'll we'll just add that as a full disclosure there. But speaking of just moving so deeply into certain contexts of Namibia, because you because you're a mother, because you had your children, and it gave you some access to these other. Um, context that maybe you might not have otherwise had. I love how you intersperse phrases from the languages of Namibia and show the ways that the American women absorb them and use them in their daily lives. I just thought that was such a lovely part of the book and it occurred unexpectedly and and for me sort of surprisingly at first. Uh, the now, now, you know, that sort of thing until Mm -hmm. we as readers, and that's in English, obviously, but until we as readers absorb it too. And I do sometimes feel like when you start to employ the language in its right context, it says a lot about how you perceive a place because you are so earnestly listening and so earnestly present. So I just, I just found that such a lovely feature of the characterization in the novel. Thank you. And I think the character, though, that says now, now, 
so there are different characters, right? So there's there's Amanda who's sort of, and I like to I like to make characters sort of a bit different from each other so that you know they may be even more different than they would be in real life so that it's sort of like co- co- turning a contrast filter on a <laughs> on a, a photography editing software. So Amanda, I think, is very she's the she's the first person we meet and she's very sort of straightforward. I don't want to say flat, but she's like pr- very pragmatic. And then her, the person, the foil, the, the one that says now, now, the one who thinks she's an expert, her name is Persephone. And she is, um, she considers herself a professional State Department wife. And one thing that I found very interesting about my time in Namibia was I was um, befriended by re- some really lovely State Department families which of course is a writer they should never have done because then I really did start taking notes <laughs> because um, State Department culture abroad is abs- it's multi-layered. It's really fascinating. It's comic. It's very interesting to me and, and it presents itself and you really, as a writer who loves the absurd, I couldn't turn away from the practice of moving somewhere and, and rep- replicating our own country <laughs> in a place like Namibia, but that's really like, that's the standard is that the, um, you know, and that is, that's, that's not, but, and, you know, that's, that's the way the state department works is that you send a, a family somewhere and you give them all the comforts of home. Right. So that it's almost like they have everything they could have in the United States, but they're not in the United States. And then it becomes even more clear how, how much that we, maybe should have in the United States and maybe we shouldn't, especially when we are abroad living in a place like Namibia. <laughs> if you're living in Namibia, should you order Amazon toilet paper? Sure. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. And, and at the time we just, we moved there and we moved there on inauguration day of the Trump administration, which was also like just a really a whopper of a time to move wow. somewhere new. Um, no matter what your politics are, it was a huge change. You know, everything was just going 180 degrees, you know, and, um, and so anyway, I, uh, this character Persephone is sort of, um, uh, someone in the state department. Again, I like to make things very, very loud, louder than real life. So she's, she considers herself a real patriot and she, everything she does she considers herself um, representing the United States, you know, whether it be she going to a party or picking up her daughter or speaking to, and, and she wants to really educate people of the best way to do things <laughs> because obviously we know best, you know, so just sort of like everything that made me cringe about Americans abroad, I sort of siphoned into this poor character, but she's the one that says now, now, because she's, She's sort of she prides herself on on really mastering the language, whether she's mastering it correctly or not. Yeah, you know, her character was was definitely the most fun, and I her character is the farthest from anyone that I know. I don't actually know, but she was the most for some reason she was so fun to write, and I couldn't stop. You know, once I started, I was like. Hmm. Something's really going on here because she seems to be pouring out. Well, she's but, so um, likable. And, and, you know, I understand what you're saying. Like she is a very different kind of character, but she's likable. And, you know, because we can see from the very, the harder she tries to be so perfect, uh, the more relatable she is because she isn't perfect. And, yeah. 
And this is <laughs> I mean, it's this not. is a very funny novel. I mean, it deals with serious issues, but it's also very funny. Um, it's not light in its treatment of a number of subjects, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. th- is, is it an expose of diplomatic life? I don't know. But as you say in your author's note, these are important positions that these men and women in the U.S. State Department hold. And you take what you call satirical liberties with the book. <laughs> and yeah. I think you show us the absurdity of of parenting and marriage and friendships more generally, but of course the intersections with this world, it just ramps it up to an, another level. But so Embassy Wife, so you're saying to me that you created Persephone you didn't. You don't really know somebody like this. Do I know um, women and men who live in the State Department? And do I know men, women and men that are trailing spouses? Yes, I do. But they certainly are not quite as dialed up as um, as this character. So no one's uh, going to recognize themselves when they read your book. I hope not. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I mean, I you know, I really loved a lot of the people I met dearly. But sometimes I would you know have to write down something that you know. There are, it is, it's really, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a different time. It's like a, so I was a trailing spouse, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that I had never been, had never thought I would be and couldn't believe I, you know, when someone said it to me, I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a snail, just like with this trail of this, you know, just someone that's just sandbagging. They would have all these like activities for trailing spouses to do, you know, not only are you a trailing spouse, but you need to be handled. So here's a tea party or come learn this weird dance move. You know, it was just, <laughs> I was like, wow, this is, this is just, I can't. And, but it mirrors so many things, you know, so many parts of modern motherhood that I find absurd also. So it just sort of all pieced together like a big jigsaw puzzle. And I'm, I, yeah, I, I am often like I had, you know, we writers have these questions. We're always trying to answer whether we know it or not loyalty or marriage is a long time. Is it supposed to be this long? I don't know. Or, you know, what is the role of motherhood? And and those things become so, so much more put in light when you are, again, removed from your natural environment, removed from where you're comfortable. Suddenly you're so uncomfortable and there's really nothing else for you except for, okay, you're a mother, you're a wife, right? What else are you? And so it just sort of, all the other all the other noise falls away and those things come into the light and and you can't help but just like ruminate on them you know mm-hmm. um so i think those themes come up in that not because i was really trying i mean you know who who tries to write a theme it's, it's not it's not easy it's not not natural but i think what is at the forefront of one's mind when you're writing something just happens to it happens to rise to the top. Um, yeah. And I see that in a lot of fiction that I read as well, you know. Well, I mean, so, I mean, the book has a lot of intrigue here, too, that moves the story in, into some really interesting places. Um, it seems like it's a statement, too, about some pretty weighty issues also. I mean, so you do have the stories about the women and their husbands, and then there's this story with, I don't want to spoil a single thing, So, but the, there's a story about why Mark wants to return to this place where he had spent some time 20 years before, 
But there's a, there's a lot to hear about colonization, about mm-hmm. race. I felt like Persephone herself gives us like a crash course in the German colonization of Namibia that I did not know about. It's just so interesting. It's like, so you feel like there's so much going on that informs um, the life in Namibia. You know, so when when I encounter a character like, let's say, Frida and the women who work for the embassy wives, they come through for Mm -hmm. me in such really rich ways. They're industrious, they're hardworking, they're smart. They seem to have more answers (laughs) than some of the wives. I mean, I just appreciate that very much. And I wonder about that, too. Like, there's just so much here that is um, respectful and authentic and just so earnestly um, telling a story about a very particular place that then you make it so clear. Like, I don't want to say it's easy to understand it. You you would just make it seem that way. Like, you know, Persephone tells Mark the stuff, this information that he wasn't aware of because he wasn't doing his research. Not yeah. really, because he was doing something else. But that, but there is this idea um, for me with this book that it's, it's not you know it's not just this book about the wives. It's it's really there's so much that's going on here. I mean, yes, about the wives and relationships and parenting and marriage and all of those things. But and then about you know being an embassy wife or be, working for the State Department. But then there's this other richness with Namibia that I feel is so respectful and for me in, instructive i mean there's just a lot of information here that i didn't know about and it just makes me think about just realizing that you know this sort of um this idea that we have that the united states is the center of the universe you know it just isn't true i mean i felt very strongly that i couldn't write a novel set in Namibia without having characters that were Namibian. That just didn't seem like that would be a book that anyone would want to read, right? So then there's the, but then the, there's this problem. Well, I'm not Namibian, so how is that going to work, right? And the, I mean, for me, the answer was, well, I'm going to talk to as many people as I can. I'm going to, I'm going to interview as many people as I can. I'm going to, I'm going to take oral histories. I'm going to read as much as I can, and I'm trying to get these a voice that's not my own right correct or at least somewhat as correct as I can by by instilling history and instilling geography and 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 also let me have five people read this mm-hmm. <laughs> from that community to make sure that I'm getting this somewhat in the ballpark you know and um I just didn't see any way around, I just didn't see any way around around not having characters that weren't American about a, in a book about another country like really because the this book is about Namibia it really is spent so much time that I was almost like am I spending <laughs> I spent more time doing that than pretty much anything I'm I am happy with where it landed and um, I'm really happy because when I gave it to you know I have this friend he's a Namibian journalist and he's very discerning and I have another Namibian novelist friend also you know these are not people that are going to say be like yeah Katie this is great great job <laughs> no Namibian people, and I don't want to generalize, but the Namibian writers that I met are not pushover, you know, not 
they will tell you like it is, you know. And, you know, my friend Denver Kisting, he went over every single line. This is right. This is wrong. Nope. They would never say this. Nope. This this is this is the wrong um, name. You know, it, I mean, we were on the phone for like 10 hours or something. Mm. And, um, you know, I just think it takes that. I do think it takes that much work if you're going to write about a place that's not yours. And more even. But that's anyway. It was it was not it was not easy. But I'm I'm I am heartened that you that you had a good a good read because that's my favorite. Frida's my very favorite character. I love, I love that character. Oh my gosh. I love her too. <laughs> yeah. And I love that she's, cause that is, you know, when you're traveling and you meet someone and you, especially someone that maybe you don't share the same language and you think, I wonder if that person thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I just loved being able to start a lot of the next chapter being like, in fact, Frida did think she was an idiot. <laughs> That's one of the joys as a writer is you get to like, you know, you get to, things like that you know because you, you're like oh no they can't think I'm as dumb as all that you know I, they, they, there's no way I mean I feel so dumb I, they can't possibly think I'm as dumb as I think I do and then they, you know so like, of course they do because you are you know? oh. <laughs> but you know you have the you have these American characters you have Persephone you have Amanda and, and others and then you have to introduce Mila who's Namibian mm-hmm. And you have to introduce, I mean, the fact of life, I mean, the fact of, of life for somebody who works for the State Department is that there are these, I guess, there are perks in, in that you have a place to live and you have people that help you in this place to live. And they happen yes, to be a life that a, a much more luxurious life than you would living here. And, and yeah, and there's, that's definitely, that's not, that's not a secret. I mean, some people join the State Department just because of that lifestyle. Wow. Uh, but see, to, to, to just avoid writing Namibians would have, I mean, they, they would be conspicuous in their absence, right? <laughs> it's just like, you have to have, and I mean, Mila, my gosh, Mila comes through as like the biggest girl crush <laughs> for, <laughs> for, yeah. for I knew a lot of Mila's. I mean, yeah, Mila... Yeah, she's quite fabulous. I mean, in that I I knew a lot of Mila's in who I would be like, it exists just exactly like that. There's a line in which Amanda, the character, the American character, is, is saying, you know, oh, where did you get that beautiful dress? And you never, never mind. <laughs> just like, just sort of like, so uh, I definitely knew plenty of women like Mila, and so I I think it was really fun for me to write to write that character. Um, she does have a girl crush on her. Perhaps <laughs> this writer had a girl crush on someone like Mila as well. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, she she's okay. great. It, for many different reasons in this novel, she's very complex. I mean, I just I just love uh she's so mysterious. I just love her. Um so I feel like this book opened up my world and my reading life to the ways in which being an expat is not just about, you know, languishing in repose in some far-flung place. I mean, it's not that, but it's about the ways in which you make your time meaningful by caring about the stories of another culture or caring about another topography or caring about another people and then giving back in this way as much as you received from a place that welcomed you and where you had to spend, this was an important time in your life, I feel like. So a book like this can really 
open up a person's reading life in these important ways about what it really means to be um, a, a global citizen and, and to really care about other places. Well, thank you. I, um, I appreciate that. I, I think, yeah, it's something that I thought a lot about and also how a lot about because um, it's a very different place and the, the chasm between those who have and those who don't is enormous, really enormous. Not that we're getting, not that it's, <laughs> we're getting there ourselves in this country, but it was just, it's more stark there at the moment. And um, so I think it's, I, I would find it impossible not to sort of think about that daily and, and how does, how do you comport yourself, you know, and, you know, they're all, I, there's lots of different phases. I think people have when they get there, or at least this person <laughs> first, you want to solve everything. What, how can I, how can I, how can I solve everything? Then you want to, or I wanted to like sort of lecture everyone. Well, you know, well, you should be caring about this and that. And do you know that, you know, suddenly, you know, talk about talking to deaf ears, just like <laughs> overwhelming altruist altruism. And, and then it's sort of like the faces of grief, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, finally after two years, it was a realization of, well, and even like, I can't even, I can't even really make my children care about things that I want them to care about. You know, I would, we show them things and we, we give them opportunities to see different parts of the world and how much, you know, they have as opposed to maybe some people other don't and all the industri- here are the injustices of the world. They are, they are right here out of your window. We are now walking in the place where they are, you know, but I can't make anyone care. <laughs> and so it just kind of got more and more granular. And then I was like, okay, well, really the only thing I could do is just like be a good, just let me just be a good person. And that means like, let me listen to people and look, it doesn't mean I can do anything, <laughs> but at least I can listen and notice and and then filter that into this book. You know, I had a lot of really bad days when I wasn't a great person, where I was like hot and feeling <laughs> selfish and uh, being, you know, feeling like, oh, I just want to go home. This is all too hard. But uh, it did. I definitely came away very changed. And I, I'm very grateful for that. I hope that makes sense. It does. If it doesn't make sense, read the book, you'll understand. <laughs> exactly. It does. It makes perfect sense and read the book. Because you also do this with the re- the friendship between Meg and Taimi. Is is it Taimi? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the so this is mm-hmm. Amanda's daughter, Meg, and Mila's daughter, mm-hmm. Taimi. So they you know, they have like this little schoolyard spat and then then they love each other and and they're best friends. And they don't necessarily I don't know they're they're just like the greatest ambassadors for the you know for the whole for the whole thing it's almost like they're so um they're so untouched by everything else that they only see each other as you know a a friend you know somebody to watch my little pony with and and of course and, and other things that people will have to read the book to find out about but it's it just the, everything that you said before plus the plus this i feel like it just creates such an amazing bridge you know such an amazing understanding about shoring up those 
those differences and just realizing that we're all the same. There's just something really lovely about that little friendship between those two young girls. I agree. (laughs) In real life, I loved seeing my daughter, yeah, have all these like new friendships with people that were so different than herself. And it was, yeah, that was, and she's, it's, it's great. Um, But yeah, and I love that. I love that. um, I love those characters too, because they're, it's a nice little, it's nice to have children's voices interspersed, Mm -hmm. you know, especially um, because it's, it's, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for, I mean, for humor. And also just kids will say things that you're thinking and you're like, I can't believe you just said that, but that's totally what I was just thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh, you only, you can get away with that. So, uh, so yeah, I, thank you. I, I, um, I enjoyed writing that. I, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching my daughter, um, who really, I have to say she really flourished there. She loved it in the end. She, she really wants to go back. And my son doesn't remember anything, so he'll just have to go. <laughs> he doesn't remember. So well, but he likes to say that he does, but he doesn't. So do you think he'll go back? We definitely are going back at least for a couple of months for follow-up for a project that Peter's doing. But also, I, I mean, I hope to um, somehow manage the time to apply for my own fellowship now, you know, because I feel like, yeah, now that we... I don't want to go to another country. Now I know this one. So I want to go back there. You know, it's, it's almost like a, a second. It felt like when we left, I was like, I really feel like in the way that I may, you know, maybe if we lived in France or Italy, I wouldn't have felt so much like I was so involved, you know, it's just, there's not, it's very sparsely populated. So you can really get to know, like get deep in there. Whereas, um, so I, I, yeah, I feel like we will go back and I feel like we'll, um, write more things. And also, um, there's some really exciting literary things going on in Namibia now. Um, so new, um, new writers flourishing and new literary magazines that we're really hoping to get involved with. So, so yeah, I'm hoping we can go back absolutely very soon. Katie Crouch. Thank you so much for talking to me. It was so much fun to get to talk to you. Thank you. It was a real, real, uh, just an honor. Thank you. Katie Crouch is the author of Embassy Wife. This has been Book Public from Texas Public Radio. Write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. Jacob Rosati composed our theme music. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. I'm Yvette Benavides.